I'm Carrington J. Tatum, Editor-in-Chief of the University Star, and you're listening to a Star Podcast. Around here, when you win, it isn't good enough. You know, but when you lose, damn sure ain't good enough. So so what is good enough? You guys need to tell us what is good enough. I guess you get paid to cause controversy, but in this locker room, we're not going to help their cause. You, you write that in the paper. You write that. You make money off that. You're carrying on like a legacy, like your last name, you know? The people that did this in the 80s, they weren't doing it just because, oh, they thought it was a cool hairdo. No, they were doing it because they were badass. Hey, this is the University Star Sports Podcast. Cats got our tongue. My name is Jacob Rodriguez, and I'm the Star's sports editor. I'm joined with my buddy Colton McWilliams here. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple things, Colton. First thing I want to talk about really is Texas State baseball. Oh, man. I mean, it's like the biggest, like, <laughs> greatest like news we've had like almost all week. Go ahead and tell it, tell the audience members what happened last night, Colton. I would say last night was probably like the biggest like game of Texas State's like season. We end up beating the number 11th ranked Texas A&M Aggies in College Station. So like I said, this is probably the biggest win of the season. Don't don't you agree? All of all the whistles at Northgate were completely dry. <laughs> all the bubbles were completely shut off. <laughs> all the bubbles were shut off. Um, I wonder what Northgate looked like last night. But the Bobcats won five to three. Uh, I was stoked. I couldn't even believe it. Uh, one of our reporters, Jacob Summers, uh, texted me last night and said, "I told you so." Yeah, he he did call <laughs> he it. He did call it. <laughs> Uh, so the Bobcats right now sit at twenty-one and twelve, uh, currently ranked seven or seven and five in conference play right now with a two-game win streak. One being over the Texas A&M Aggies. Um, so moving forward, Colton, we're, we have Georgia Southern to look forward to over the weekend, right? Starting on Friday in Statesboro, Georgia. So what does this Georgia Southern team look like, and what are you expecting from this game? Well, like I said, Georgia Southern is about middle of the road, kind of. Kind of similar to Troy, if you want to compare teams. But like I said, it's a series like we need to like win this series because the sound belt is really unforgiving if you look at the standings because you got Coastal Carolina, uh, Troy, South Alabama, then in our division, Arkansas State and UTA. Like I said, we can't afford to fall behind. Like I said, we need to keep pounding out these wins, getting these series wins. And we have a couple of tougher games, too, down mm-hmm. the stretch. Uh you know, next weekend we're going to play at Arkansas State in San Marcos. But right after that, we have a pretty big game right up, or actually at home, not, oh, even, yeah. up, not even up the road. It's going to be versus the University of Texas in San Marcos. Oh, yeah. Like I said, that's going to be like another big game because, like you said, if we get another, like, win over TU, like I said, we got two big <laughs> victories over the biggest, like, baseball programs in the country. And, like, for you... For those of you Texas State fans, us Aggie fans, me being a former Aggie fan, TU is basically the insult to like UT. So if you hear me calling UT like TU, just that's the reference. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that, Colton, for all our friends who may be a little bit uh, lackadaisical when it comes to insults. Uh, We also play uh, that team up the road, UTSA, again April 30th, and then we play UT again on May 7th, a little closer to finals in the week before finals. Mm -hmm. Like I said... Are you looking forward to Sunbelt Conference Championship? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, I'm kind of excited about this baseball team. Like I said, the A&M win got me, like, really hyped. I'm like, oh, wow, we if we can be, like, at least a good team on the road in a hostile environment, like, we can pretty much do anything. Like, you got to be excited about this baseball team. And like I said, this win 
combined with like Troy win, like last Sunday, they're gaining like momentum. And like I said, when we hit the big boys, like I said, we're going to have a pretty good shot at possibly winning the Sun Belt. Do you want to talk about over the weekend and that weird game oh that happened? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that that you got was... to write about, actually. So in San Marcos, like hailstorms and rainstorms like was coming this weekend. So Texas like, State and Troy was like, hey, doubleheader on Friday, and then we're going to play Saturday. That Saturday game starts at 6.30, which I already thought was a bad idea, like considering like it's been raining and all of that stuff. We get to the third inning, like runners are on the corners, and then, like I said, lightning struck. I'm like, oh, we got to delay this game. Then heavy rain hits, then hell hits. And it's like, well, we can't play this game anymore. Let's go, let's cancel it and let's see what happens. So then they make the decision to reschedule the game for like at 12.30 on Sunday. Like I said, first, like almost first at bat, we hit a 3-1 home run to take the lead. It was, like I said, that was like one of the wildest games I ever covered. And like I said, Troy gets a bad, we're tied at 7-7 and we go to extra innings. And I swear, I never thought I'd been like at a baseball game where I went through a full like innings, even though we didn't play the first inning. We started at the third and ended at the 10th and it felt like a full length baseball game. Like I said, it was just wild. And like I said, we finally get the win when Waltridge hits the single, who also, Waltridge, ended up hitting the grand slam in that first inning. So Waltridge has been like a really good player for us. He's been like on a hot streak and he's been a big contributor to our success. Yeah. And if you pay attention to the way that the star is kind of formatted, myself and my assistant sports editor, Claire Partain, uh, we kind of like set the schedule every week, usually on Wednesdays like today. And for a three-game series like the one that we did last week and the one that we're going to have this week and for the you know, rest of the season pretty much, uh, we kind of assign like short stories for the first two games and then the last game is always a game story. And so that's what Colton got stuck with doing. Yeah. And I couldn't stop laughing from behind <laughs> my phone. Like I said, I think at one point I texted like, this game just wouldn't die. Yeah. <laughs> It reminded me of like AM LSU seven overtime watching that entire game. It's just like <laughs> much lower stakes. Just, like. yeah. So let's let's flip the script a little bit uh, and go to the other side of the ball field. What can you tell me about this softball team? I know they're they're riding a one game losing streak right now, but uh, they also had kind of a weird weekend too, and their final game ended up yeah. getting canceled altogether. Like I said against Appalachian State. You know, same thing as the baseball feel like we're gonna do doubleheader on Friday, play the game Saturday. Instead they're like, no, we're just gonna cancel the game on Saturday. So Coming in the Friday game, for game one, the Bobcats come on top, 2-0. Two, two and it was a really great performance by Megan King. She went seven innings pitch, five hits, zero earned runs, and seven Ks. An overall great pitching performance. And our offense was Kennedy Klein. Like I said, got the only, got the only like runs of the game, just hit a little two-run single in the fourth inning to give us the only runs in the game. But then game two started, and like I said, our offense this weekend has been, like, really, like, stagnant, almost. Like I said, our only, like, run support was, like, Ariane Bell. She hit a home run in the seventh to, like I said, try to spark this Bobcat lead. But, like I said, it was about it. And Krista Jacobs did a fantastic job pitching. I mean, she only allowed, like, two runs earned. But, like I said, that's, I mean, that's all you can ask. Like, I don't expect every pitcher to pitch, like, a shutout. But if you're giving, like two runs it's like yeah you're giving the team at least a chance to win but like I said our offense has just been really stagnant and like even back to the UT game like the UT pitching just like dominated us we only got two hits out of the entire game which if you you know double back to an article that you wrote a couple weeks ago when Ricky Woodward 
was saying, you know, this is what keeping us in the game. Now it's sort of taking us yeah, out of the game. Yeah, it, it really And it, obviously, if you can't score, then you're not going to win the game at all. No. But, you know, pitching is a big deal. Yeah, it really is. And, like, our and that's something that this team has been struggling with again. Yeah, like I said, our pitching stuff's doing really good. Like I said, in that Texas game, we were in the game until, like, that sixth inning. Like I said, we were only down, like, three, like, four runs to zero, which... That's not a bad deficit to come by, but like I said, our offense has just like not been able to get that ball rolling. And like I said, we got UTSA to like Wednesday, right? Wednesday. Wednesday. At 6 p.m. Uh, like I said, we can't lose to UTSA. Like I said, that's our main rival. Like you know, screw the Roadrunners. Like we need to win against our rivals. And like I said, the and this next weekend series is another big one. We got Coastal Carolina. And if you're looking at the Sun Belt standings, it's basically we got Louisiana Lafayette, which has been just dominating teams. I don't think they've lost a conference game all season. And then you've got uh, Coastal Carolina and then Texas State kind of in that third, fourth spot. And like I said, these conference games are mainly just like getting a good seed for this conference tournament. So this is one of the most important games of the season up to this point. Yeah, And one of the things that's also taking a little bit of an effect on this team is just being on the road. So they're going to be on the road against the Roadrunners on Wednesday. And then all throughout the weekend, they're going to be in South Carolina against Coastal Carolina. And then next weekend, they're going to be in Statesboro against Georgia, <laughs> against Georgia Southern. And then the only other home game, or the home game that they are playing is going to be against the University of Houston, April 23rd. So, yeah, it's going to be very like, long tunnel, a little bit of light at the end of it. <laughs> like I said, for these black Bobcats on the softball team, like they, we've got to pull through to this road trip. Like I said, I think the Sun Belt is like a really tough, like softball conference. Like, we can't afford like any slip ups. Like, we need to like keep winning, like, yeah. chip out like these, you know, two run, like, get two wins out of the three series. Like, at least managing one game, but we need to like stay consistent, like keep on winning. Like, like I said, pitching wise, keep our dominant pitching performance, but like I said, our offense needs to step up. Exactly. So now I'm joined by two of my reporters, Jordan Drake and Sean Enchondo, and we want to talk about the spring game, you know, a little bit more than crawfish and shrimp that's going to be at the game, free to all the fans. Uh, and of course, you know, tailgate's always a big thing at Texas State. But uh, Jordan, you wrote a preview for me that's going to be out in the next couple of days over this team. What are your immediate takeaways and things that the fans should watch? So the first thing to watch is uh, going to be how the offense actually comes to being. Uh, we kind of know already what Jake Spavadol's offense has looked like in the past. We know uh, what West Virginia's offense has looked like in the past. And we know what Bob Stitt has brought to the table uh, in the past as well. So really it's going to be interesting to see what the blend of these different philosophies actually ends up being on the field. Uh, and I think the spring game gives us an excellent snapshot of what we'll see come the fall. Sean, what do you think? Well, like based on what I've been kind of hearing from the practices is um, just about the offense. The offense is still trying to get the grasp on everything, but I, I've heard Bob Stitt. He, he hasn't been happy where the offense is right now, which is, like the defense is going to be a little bit ahead in spring spring ball. That's kind of like how it it always is when you're starting a new program. It's also like you know you look at this Texas State team and the only bright spot for this Texas State team was defense. It makes sense that the defense is going to be light years ahead. And you know Zach Spavitt almost has a very easy job making this team look good. Yeah, and and he was talking about the linebackers, the strength of the team. Like got Nick Daniels, Brian London, Frankie Griffin, and Clifton Lewis. Like it's. Tevin Mims, coach of the linebackers coach, he's just just got an embarrassment of riches. Like it's it's 
it's gonna that's gonna be fun to watch. Um, on the offensive side, I'm I'm really interested on the um, on uh, Blake Aragon moving from wide receiver to tight end, and we were just talking about him in in, in the hallway. Earlier. Aragon's my guy. I that's saw, your guy. I, I saw him take a take a touchdown that was eventually called back. Yeah. But I I took that right with my phone and I posted it on Twitter. It became my header. And yeah. he hit me up, and we had a really good conversation just about, you know. It, it definitely fits uh, Bob Stitt's style, I think. think he so? likes the the more receiver-like tight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, he's going to struggle in the blocking game, I think, right off the bat. Uh, he's got to put on some weight before he is kind of at that same level that you're mm-hmm. looking for for a tight end. But he's a, he's a big guy, and I think... And prospectively, like, how much weight do you think he can put on before the first snap of the season? Oof. Probably, I mean, healthily, probably like 10 to 20 pounds. Yeah, yeah he's 195 um, right now, so... He he's not he's but really how tall he, how tall is he how tall is he yeah, six how four tall is he? oh okay see I I got my stuff ready yeah exactly <laughs> I've just looked this up and he, he <laughs> he's also like an uh, an all state like uh, track and field guy too so he's really athletic so that that could be really exciting he could be in a couple of years just like this all star tight end I'm not saying he's gonna be Keenan Brown but I don't uh, know he could, he could emerge as a weapon I think just as early as this year. I think that there's a, a lot of potential with him, mm-hmm. especially in an offense that loves to utilize the tight end the way Bob Stitt does, uh, to the point where I, I think we could see some surprising numbers from him. Yeah, you never know. We don't know who who these star wide receivers or your your slot guys or or your running backs that you're usually seeing out of this offense. It could be really exciting. That could be your bro- um, breakout player, and like he's not going to be in there to block. He's just going to be in there to make plays. And I mean, Keenan Brown was also a wide receiver coming out of high school, and they moved him to tight end. He's a little bigger, oh, not height-wise, but, like, um, weight. So, I mean, I think he's going to be good. That dude's voice sounds big. Keenan Brown, I yeah. talked to him over the weekend just about, <laughs> uh, you know, potential draft stuff and mm-hmm. what his com- uh, combine experience was. And, first of all, what a genuine guy, super down-to-earth. I love that But guy. also, I, I can't wait to see where he falls in. Uh, you and I are both Cowboys fans, so I hope they hoping he gets to learn under wit. He hasn't. <laughs> they haven't brought him in um, for any workouts. It's kind of discouraging. He's been. Uh, he was in Houston working out with the Texans. I saw that somewhere. Uh, come on, Cowboys, <laughs> bring him in. He's 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 good and like he's Texas truck can't run forever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to to sort of take like a Friday Night Lights approach to it, but everybody wants to know who Jake Spavadol is going to have throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And there's two kind of people that are emerging. One, uh, Vitt, Tyler Vitt, you know, true freshman, came on the scene, absolutely exploded, had a really a couple of really good games, took a lot of, like, really bad shots, mm-hmm. and got up, finished the game. And I'm a Vitt guy. But can you tell me a little bit about this Gresh Jensen, Sean? Well... Uh, well, so Gresh, he's he came he he came with Bob Stitt. He used to work. Uh, he was on that Montana team uh, with Bob Stitt. He knows the system. He's more of a, a pro style guy. Well, Vitt's more of like a kind of like a dual threat. And like, he's a JUCO transfer. From, JUCO transfer from Cal Fullerton. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't have a, any of the notes for him, <laughs> but ba- on the top of my head, he he's a he's a Bob Stitt guy. He knows the system. Um, he he has a he has a great arm. I, I, th- it's going to be really interesting. I think in this game on Saturday, what I'm really interested to see is how they do in the red zone. They have not, according to the um, some of the press conferences I have seen online by, um, was they have struggled 
in the red zone, which they're doing scrimmages all this week. Yeah, they're doing scrimmages, week. and this last one, the it's, the defense is just is just pounding them right so now. That, so so that locker room's got to be kind of funny, you know. Obviously, these these uh, the defense is winning these battles day in and day out. So if the offense shows up on game day, that's kind of telling of what this team can do. And also, I don't know, I guess just the character of the locker room itself. I don't think necessarily, uh, just because the defense is kind of expected to win. They have less to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the offense is still going to be trying to implement an entire new system. And the defense is really, I mean, defense systems change, but not as dramatically as an offensive system would. Uh, you know, all you're really learning on the defense side is the new hand signals, but the same concepts are still going to be there. You're still going to blitz. You're still going to control your gaps. You're still going to control the edges. Um, whereas an offense, you know, you could have, completely new routes you could have uh an entirely new offensive concept the blocking is going to be entirely different depending on what they kind of decide to go with and so the offense is probably going to get its its teeth kicked in a couple times but i think they're going to make some big plays and some big moments happen as well that uh kind of will give us a more probably a more accurate showcase of what this team is capable of in the fall yeah offensive line defensive line that's another um battle i'm looking forward to because they they got they got some maulers on the offensive line. They last year they got beat up a little bit last year because they were so young. Yeah, you yeah, you you a lot of underclassmen. And we just talked there. about you know the depth of that becoming a problem in of itself. Also, yeah. So it's that's gonna be fun. Uh, so definitely want to check that one out. Um, also, the secondary. I've I've heard a lot from the defensive secondary how much uh, Zach Spavadol. He's he's saying like these guys are not being talked about enough. They're they're really young. But like the the secondary was 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 good last year. Just all around the defense was good. Uh they they didn't force a lot of interceptions. They got a lot of fumbles from the linebackers who are who are the playmakers of this defense. So a lot of look forward to the, this spring game. They're not taking score, which I thought was kind of lame. But we're definitely gonna be penciling in. T ball. What is this T ball? No, I'm taking score. I wanna see I, I wanna win. <laughs> Go maroon. Yeah, I guess we'll see you guys then. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Okay, so rounding out this podcast, I'm here with, you know, lead sports contrarian, verified sports press, Andrew Zimmel, also one of my very good reporters and friends. Um, So I want to talk about just kind of like building a culture around Texas State athletics, which is something that the athletics administration is trying to do, and also what Jake Spavadol immediately ran into right off the gate. How important is having like an engaged audience and an engaged fan base? So what's interesting, Jacob, is that as I go around the Sunbelt Conference, as I go around from College Station to Austin to Lubbock to Houston to kind of feel like how those fan bases interact with their teams, it's interesting because Texas State's not the only school that has to deal with these type of problems. They're not the only school that has these culture shifts where – the biochem kids don't really care about what the girls track team is doing on any given Saturday. And the same thing with a lot. Of, I think a lot of the sports fans don't really care that we're an accredited university. I hear you guys bring this up every single time I listen to this podcast about how Texas state has an accreditation in this, or like they're really good at journalism and that and that's really cool. But people that don't win awards don't care about awards, right? I keep telling you all that Texas state fans for the most part, aren't award winners. We're not the 1%. We're the cream we're not the cream of the crop. We're the dudes that go into the classroom, grit and grind, go hard. Listen, a lot of this is a teacher college. A lot of people graduate here are teachers. As I go around the state doing UIL debate stuff, 
see a lot of people hanging up their Texas State stuff. I talked to him like, hey, you ever, you know, talk about the basketball program and hang out with the football team? No, nobody cares. Here's the thing. Talk about a culture shift. I really do think Jake Spavlo is doing something here. I really do, Jacob. It's he the way that he's interacted with the community. I know the university star shameless plug. We just did our uh, top places in San Marcos, right? Voted on by the fans of these places. San Marcos star. Go ahead and pick up an issue. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> the, the thing is, is that I think that if we did one right now, I think more people would know Jake Spavadol than the mayor of San Marcos. I would argue that Jake Spavadol is probably the most important public figure in San Marcos, possibly in the state of Texas. In Texas, no. So I was talking to a faculty member about this earlier this week, how if you're terrible at sports, your face of your university is the president. If you're really good at sports, the face of your university is probably your head coach of your men's basketball team, your football team. If you're not good at either one, it's a famous celebrity that came to your school, right? Texas State, for the too long, Denise Trouth has been the face of the university. Give her love or hate it, that's a fact. Now we're starting to get a little bit more Casper love around the state. More people are recognizing Casper for what he's done with Texas State basketball. Football, Jake Spavadol. I told you guys, Cliff Kingsbury, he's a pretty guy. Jake Spavadol's not too bad looking either. He's not. And, you know, neither are his, his teams. And I'm hoping especially this team. Now, I heard you guys bring up on the last podcast, and I hate to bring up old news, but you were talking about how good Zach Spavadol is. And I know it's sibling day, so we have to talk about, you know, the Spavadol brothers. Are we sure that this defense is going to be good? Because I'm not. Here's here's what I have to say. And I know you're trying to wrap this podcast up, but I want to put this one little thing in here in the Bobcat fans' ears. Texas State defensively is good, but the reason that they've been good, well, comparatively to their offense, to their offense, how do we know that the Texas State defense is going to be as good as it was last year? I know, like you're going to say, Zach Spavadol, he's had a really good defenses in the past. Has he though? Because Texas Tech fell apart at the end, mm -hmm. right? When Texas Tech started playing like actual Big Twelve contenders, their defense struggled. I'm just saying, I'm leaving it out there. And there's like, also the you know the argument that you know teams can't solely rest on the defense. What happens when the defense fails? The head coach gets fired. They it get tired. It doesn't matter. And the defense gets tired. So did you already talk about the spring game, or do we want to jump into this? You can divulge into. All this. right, fans. If you're listening to this podcast, record this on Wednesday. If you're listening to it before Saturday, here's what you need to do. Go to the ATM. Go get $10. Bobcat Club, Bobcat Athletics is selling game-used jerseys for $10. I know this is a shameless plug for athletics, but here is where we come in. Who's cutting you a check I will be that? here. No, here's the thing. <laughs> I will be there. I will be there at the place. I'm going to be talking to the fans. So if you haven't a met— man of the people. If you haven't met the Texas State Sports Press— myself if you haven't like interacted with a university star employee before this is your chance this is where you get I, i'm a man of the people jacob this is where the content's created i'm a man of the people i've always said this that the number one person that i am trying to impress is the person who shows up on tailgate the person that goes to the games that's what i'm doing i don't do this for you i don't do this for me i do it for them you occasionally do it for me oh yeah <laughs> Well, thanks for listening, guys. This has been Cats Got Our Tongues. This is the University Star Sports Podcast where we talk about Texas State and Texas State athletics. I'm Jacob Rodriguez, and I'm the sports editor.